Welcome to episode 12A of Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. We're your hosts, Jeff Brownson and Derek Dye, and together we're drinking our way through this amazing world, one pint at a time. Whether you love to travel, you love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, you're listening to the right podcast. That's what we're here to talk about. For episode 12 of the podcast, we tried something a bit different. We didn't have a guest, and instead, Derek and I talked about some of the things that have been happening in the travel and loyalty world over the past couple of weeks. Our session went a little long, so we decided to split it into two episodes, and this one, episode 12A, is the conclusion of that recording. So if you haven't listened to episode 12 yet, go do that first. It's really the beginning of the show. And now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the conclusion of our travel and loyalty program updates. Sit back, relax, crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy this session of Miles and Points with Pints. So those were some good spending and some some wonderful things we've seen as the year starts out as far as bonuses with credit cards, with Amazon. Let's talk a little bit about the loyalty programs themselves and what they've done, not so much with credit cards, but with their programs to make things more friendly because let's be honest no one traveled last year not no one but most people did not travel last year there were a ton of people who did not qualify who had qualified for elite statuses for many many years there was a significant downturn in hotels and flights what are some of these hotels doing to try to make things a little bit better so that people can hopefully maintain those statuses that they had worked so hard to get before this pandemic jeff i feel like I heard something about a Hyatt promotion. Have you heard anything about that? I don't know. I maybe saw one or two articles about it. I, <laughs> I was writing the other day in, in Travel on Points Facebook group, and I woke up I woke wake up almost every day with some private messages about the Hyatt promo. But one morning around January first, as people really started kickstarting their mattress runs for Hyatt Globalist. I woke up to like 15 or 16 private messages. Every single one of them was about Hyatt Globalist. So I know that it so is... you're an expert on this now, right? You, I you know everything I would, there is to know about it? I wouldn't say that. I would say that I've talked more about Hyatt Globalist than I ever thought I would. And I absolutely love Hyatt and the Globalist Elite Program. But uh, neither here nor there. Uh, Hyatt, I will say you want to talk about really getting it for your customers. Hyatt stole all of the show with their globus, globalist promotion they announced late last year. It's been all the buzz in the press. It's been all the buzz in our community. That's what everyone is talking about. So what is it? Well, there's currently numerous promotions going on, so we'll cover them one by one. For elite status in 2021, Hyatt slashed all of the categories needed by 50%. So rather than needing 60 nights for Globalist, which is highest, Hyatt's highest tier, you only need 30 nights. If you hold the Hyatt card, you already have the lowest tier, which is Discoverist. And then Explorist typically takes 30 nights. That would be reduced to 15. You get five nights for holding the card. Uh, 10 nights if you applied at the end of 2020 and before the first of the year, uh, you would 
only need a few more nights from five to 15, 10 nights total to get to that second tier Explorist. That's one of the promotions. The second promotion that's running concurrently with that elite promotion is uh, a two-tiered approach to stays. So currently through the end of February, February 28th, you get two elite nights for each night you stay. So if you books, let's say seven hotel nights, you would earn 14 nights. So what they did is they cut the number of nights you needed in half and then doubled the number of nights that you get for every night you stay. You're good at math. Exactly. Which means they really lowered it by, my math is terrible, three quarters? Uh, Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it gets better than that, though, Jeff. Not only do you get two elite nights for each night you stay, but a third promotion that's running is if you use award points and book award nights with your points, if you're a credit card holder, you get 25% of your points back. So what many Hyatt loyalists are doing are booking mattress runs where they book a room and choose to stay or not stay. They're doing it solely for the purpose of earning status. You can book a category one mattress run for 5,000 points a night. If you hold the card, you get that reduced to 3,750 points after the 25% points rebate. And that night, each night for 3,750 points, gets you two elite night credits. As you hold the credit card, getting five nights for holding the credit card, you only need 25 additional nights for globalist. You're getting two elite nights per night. That's only 13 nights needed uh, at 3,750 points a night. So way less than 50,000 points would get you globalist, and that would be your status through the end of February 2023. So now this is crazy. And our group of people who is really into miles and points and loyalty programs has analyzed this and written about it and talked about it and just gone nuts with this promo. How do you think that this is affecting or how do you think that this is being received by the the normal traveler, the family traveler, the business traveler? Do you think it's as huge there as it is with us or are we just hyper focused on this because of the the love of Hyatt Hotels and the love of great deals and loyalty programs. I think it is not only greatly ignored by the average consumer, but I think it's also greatly overblown by our community. And I'll explain both of those. I think the average consumer, number one, doesn't really understand the concept of a mattress run, also doesn't understand how valuable the 25% points rebate is. I don't think it would ever cross the average consumer's mind to think about how many nights at 3,750 points could I just waste to go get globalist status. I don't think that crosses into their psyche at all. Because that's a silly idea. And if you're just coming into it looking at, I need a hotel night, why would you pay for hotel nights that you don't need? Agreed. It's, and it's, not cra- only that, it's crazy for most people. And the average the average person doesn't just spend their life obsessing about earning points. So they're you know they're not sitting around with hundreds of thousands of Chase Ultimate rewards that you can transfer to Hyatt. They don't have hundred plus thousand point Hyatt account balances. 
their points are precious for the average consumer and they're not just going to waste them for a room they're not going to use. So I think it's really largely ignored by the average consumer out there. I also think, as I mentioned, I think it's greatly overblown in our community. Hyatt Globalist is great. However, with hundreds or even thousands of new globalists hitting the program, the chances of getting full globalist benefits in the future, especially as travel returns, I think it's going to be a perfect storm of negativity for the Hyatt Globalist program. Let me explain why. At some point, hopefully after the vaccines cover the world uh, or when the COVID starts to recede and travel gets back to normal, there's going to be this bent up, uh, pent up demand for travel maybe like we haven't seen in a very long time. People are going to be traveling like never before. They're going to be taking a lot of trips. We all want to travel, right? At the same time, you're going to have a whole host of new Hyatt globalists that are traveling and competing with business travelers and things like that for premium upgrades at hotels and all of the perks of the Hyatt globalist program. So not only are we going to have much greater numbers of Hyatt globalists worldwide, but we're also probably at some point going to have travel levels that haven't been seen for several years. At least that's what we hope, right? As people really get back to traveling and their time of being stuck at home is uh, leads them to go spend their money on vacations and things of that nature. So I really think the whole concept of mattress running for Hyatt Globalist is overblown because unless you go to the full 60 night globalist thing without this 50% off promotion and get those valuable sweet night awards where you can guarantee sweets in advance. I don't see much value to the globalist promotion generally for what the elites typically think of. You're still going to get free parking. You're still going to get free breakfast, which is obviously extremely valuable, especially at resorts, but you're probably not going to be upgraded to suites 100% of the time, which globalists typically get now. And I think that'll be an even bigger problem for people in the miles and points community, because they typically, a lot of people in this community typically go to the same properties. And that's the the Park Hyatt's, the fanciest hotels that Hyatt has in these desired locations. So I think there are a lot of those people when they can start to travel again are going to run into each other and are going to be trying to get the same suites on the same nights. And it may create a problem going down the line. It may not be as big a problem for business travelers that are staying at a not the Park Hyatt that are just staying at one of the other Hyatt brands. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes going forward. Definitely agree. Now, you know, not only is Hyatt introduced a promotion, but the other major hotels have also listed promos. So at, right after Hyatt announced their promo, Hilton came out with an interesting promotion, Jeff, uh, that they gave to their Diamond members. And what they allow their Diamond members to do is gift gold status to anyone they want to, which is... And interesting in that it wasn't just given to those people who earned diamond status, but it was anyone who had diamond status from any way. And that could have been a, a match of status of some type or specifically the American Express Aspire card 
one of the benefits of that is diamond status with the Hilton program. So those of us that hold the Aspire card and have diamond status because of that, all of a sudden get the ability to gift gold status to someone, which was a, a, a crazy benefit that no one expected it to apply to the Aspire card holders because we've done nothing to earn that status other than pay an annual fee on a card. Right. And I think uh, for those not familiar with the Hilton program, one of the great benefits of Hilton Gold is free breakfast. So doesn't doesn't matter what hotel you're at, whether it's a uh, the smaller low end hotels or the the really fancy, you know, Conrads and things like that. Gold elite members are entitled to a free breakfast. So that that can be a huge perk depending on um, number one, if you like to eat breakfast in hotels and two, what your travel patterns are. But I mean, we've all we've all all of us award travelers have stayed somewhere nice, Jeff. You get to a Conrad or one of those type hotels, you can easily be looking at fifty dollars a person for breakfast. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the breakfasts are phenomenal. I mean, I'm a huge fan of going out and exploring the local area, but some days, like if you have to get to the airport by nine AM, it's nice to be able to go at seven AM and have a really, really good breakfast at a Park Hyatt or at a Conrad or at at one of the St. Regis, one of the high-end hotels. And one of the really interesting pieces of this promotion, although it doesn't apply to very many people, but they also, Jeff, allowed lifetime diamond members to gift diamond, which is really unheard of. I, I, I certainly wouldn't say that diamond status is at the same level as Hyatt Globalist or the ambassador level for Marriott, but you are entitled to suite upgrades. You have all the perks. You have much higher earning capacity for Hilton points, giving lifetime diamond members the ability to gift diamond. That's a, that's a really nice perk for their highest lifetime members. And I would like to do something. I, I mentioned I was an Aspire card holder and therefore a diamond member. So I do have gold status to give away and I haven't found anyone to give that to yet. So it, as long as it's okay with you, Derek, I'd like to do a giveaway in, in your Facebook group and travel on points. And once this episode airs, we'll do a giveaway and someone can win my gold status that I have to give away. W- will you give it to me? Will I give it to you? No, no. Someone Perfect. else has to win it. <laughs> That'd be great. That's really nice of you. I currently have diamond uh, due to the Aspire and I already gifted mine, but that'd be great. And we will run a contest and someone can win it. That's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, I'm sure someone can use that and enjoy the free breakfast and the other benefits that come with gold uh, as we travel going into the new year. Perfect. And last but not least, it's like they always bring up the rear and always copy other people. We have Marriott Bonvoy, Jeff. We know how much you love Marriott. I do love them. I love them so much. So around the time we recorded this podcast, Marriott listed their, I guess, Q1 2021 promotion. They gave some updates on the Elite program generally, and they also announced reduced Elite rates to 2021 requalification. And Jeff, as we just spoke about Hyatt reducing by 50%, what do you think Marriott would do for their elite members? Well, I can give you a hint, and that is that every article that I saw about this in the news said that Marriott has announced new elite level requirements and new promos that are really great but not as good as Hyatt. 
Yeah. They, and so many headlines compared directly to Hyatt that they were like, well, this is a good effort, but you've already been outdone by somebody. Agreed. Yeah. So what, what Marriott mentioned is your elite level earned in 2020, whether it's silver, gold, titanium, uh, platinum or titanium, you will earn 50% of the nights required for that status. 50% of those nights will be added to your account in 2021. That is the same promotion they did last year. So for example, a platinum member is required to stay 50 nights in a, in a calendar year to earn platinum status. In 2020, Marriott added 25 nights to each platinum member in 2019, added 25 nights in 2020 to their account. That has been extended to 2021. So if you were a platinum member in 2020, you'll have 25 nights added in 2021. Essentially what this means is if you were platinum in 2019, you will now be platinum guaranteed through February 2023. Again, basically copying Hyatt's promo of, of 50% elite earnings uh, reduction for 2021. They also announced their Q1 promo, as I mentioned, which will be double points earned and double elite night credits through, I believe, the end of April. Don't quote me on that, Jeff. Um, the, the main problem I saw with that when I was looking at the terms and conditions is, unlike Hilton promos and unlike Hyatt promos, the double elite night credits, obviously the double points, but especially the double elite night credits do not count for award nights. So the promo that's so generous in their own words doesn't apply to award nights. So, so for us award travelers, it's it's basically useless. It, it may make sense if you find a low cash rate and you really want to uh, high, uh, you really want a mattress run for a higher status this year, give it, given the reduced rates. But other than that, I really don't see much there unless you're paying uh, cash rates right now. And it's kind of a kick to really loyal members to not count the nights from awards days because it, it punishes them for using the benefits that they've gained from staying at your hotels for being a, a loyal member. And I, I've always hated it when hotels don't count those nights count those award nights and much prefer the programs where they do because it's it, who wants to lose benefits or who wants to to lose what they have and what they've earned by actually using those points to stay it's like companies that say here's your vacation days but then they don't actually let you take vacation or you get in trouble or you're looked down on if you take vacation it just that's what they are doing with this with not counting award nights uh, for these promos. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, not only what you're saying, you pay cash, you get double elite nights, you you use award points, rewards points for an award night, and you only get the regular elite night credit, not the double elite night credit. Not, not only is that bad, but you also have the fact that right now with a lot of reduced cash rates, people that would use a, award points right now would probably be overpaying on a lot of properties from a from a cash standpoint of their points and miles. You know, hotel rates are very low right now generally, and the point rates are not really fluctuating much. So 
people that want to use points more likely than not may not get a normal cash value uh, equivalent value for using their points. So not only are you punishing them by not allowing award ni- reward nights to get the double elite promo, but you're rewarding people who are paying cash at these really reduced rates to get it. It, it, it just doesn't make sense to me on a lot of levels. Absolutely agree with you there. One thing I did find interesting though, Jeff, was, and one thing that's been frustrating to me, Marriott last year basically sent out a memo and a policy that all of the guarantees of elite status, your welcome drink, your welcome benefit, uh, the fact that if you aren't announced as your level of status, you know, thank you for being a titanium member. Here's your, you know, $10 drink voucher at the bar. If they didn't do those things, you were entitled to cash compensation or point compensation, uh, along with a whole host of other things, uh, you know, breakfast benefit, yada, yada, yada. Marriott early on in COVID suspended all of those elite guarantees um, because of COVID. And they kept delaying the implementation of that policy again and delaying it and delaying it and delaying it. They finally announced today that those guarantees, quote unquote, they weren't guarantees before, but apparently they're now guarantees. They are back, uh, I believe, effective immediately. So all of your enumerated benefits as an elite member on the Marriott website, you can go and read what you are entitled to at each level. Those are now guarantees again. And if you do not receive them, you can ask for uh, cash or points in compensation. And they list out everything um, that you're entitled to. We won't go through all of those, but the big one is you're now as a, as a platinum or titanium member, you are entitled to breakfast um, uh, at the hotels that you know, there's a whole list of ho- of properties that guarantee you breakfast. So before they could just say, no, sorry, we don't have it due to COVID, uh, you're out of luck. Now you're, you are entitled to that or they owe you cash or point compensation. So it's good to see that come back. It's hard to believe it's been 10 months without those guarantees, but um, at least they're finally coming back, even though travel isn't back to normal. They're stepping it up for their elites again. And that was an interesting move by Marriott that I was not a fan of because they basically, yes, everything got more difficult with travel and COVID and it got harder to implement some of these things, but rather than try to make it work or find ways around it or find ways to do things, they just pretty much said, oh yeah, all those things that you earned with your elite status, we're just not going to do those anymore. They just, they just gave up. They threw in the towel and they were like, yeah, that seems hard, so we're not going to do it which seems to be a hallmark of, of the Bonvoy program. It just, I don't know. I, <laughs> I've had a lot of issues with the Bonvoy, Bonvoy program and seeing them do something like that just shows me that they're just a, a big corporation who's taking the easy way out a lot of times. Yeah, I understand the difficulties during COVID, but if there's anyone to take care of during trouble, times of trouble, it's your elite members who spend the money, who spend the nights, who obviously care for your program. That's why they're so loyal. So you should be loyal as well. And that just didn't happen. But again, you're right. So that's the nuts and bolts of the uh, of the Marriott promo for Q1 and the updates. So let's talk about travel for a minute, Jeff. Yeah, travel. It It might happen this year, I heard. Let's hope. Well, coming from the guy who spent a month in Mexico in 2020, 
it wasn't it wasn't terrible but also that was a i mean a, a calculated relocation more than it was just travel we weren't going down to the beach for a weekend as much as we relocated for myself for a month and a half um to somewhere where the covid risk at that point was better it wasn't that it wasn't as widely spread where we went they were handling it better they were doing better we actually put ourselves in a safer place so that i don't know i almost don't count that as travel which is terrible because it was it was it was wonderful i really enjoyed it seeing your pictures from breakfast lunch and dinner for a month it was definitely travel because i wasn't eating that food yeah that's true that's slightly jealous so what's going on with travel right now? We've seen domestic airlines, a lot of them had blocked uh, middle seats through the fall. A lot of them took that away, said they weren't going to do that anywhere anymore. Delta, I believe, is the only one who is still doing that, and that's only through the end of March. So as you're booking your flights, if you're going to be going anywhere, whether it's a necessity, whether it's business travel, whether it is for a vacation because you need to get out of the house, uh, once you hit that end of March there, you're going to be looking at someone in the seat right next to you on all domestic airlines here in the U.S. Does that does that sway your decision at all, Jeff? I mean, me personally, I'm, I'm not a big fan, but I don't know if I'm going to go out of my way to fly Delta. Delta's not super uh, friendly for the D.C. area in terms of, you know, we have to stop basically in Atlanta or JFK no matter where we're going. So it did sway our decision when we went to Mexico. We flew out of Baltimore and flew on Southwest because they were blocking middle seats and they were, it was a direct flight and we didn't have to connect. So I don't know if Delta, again, you said connecting in Atlanta or connecting in Detroit. Or, I, I don't know if it's worth it for the connection to get that empty middle seat. I don't know that it provides that much of a benefit other than in a person's head i think you it's great to not have someone in the middle seat next to you but you're far less than six feet away from the person sitting ahead of you sitting behind you sitting in the aisle sitting in the aisle across from you sitting by the window and you're slightly farther away because that middle seat is blocked but it's certainly not making you in a much safer position it's definitely a placebo i think right i was thinking about myself we love we flew alaska once or twice last year, we flew Southwest once or twice last year with middle seats empty. And then I flew one Southwest flight at the uh, end of December coming home from Seattle. And it was my only flight I took all year where the middle seat was uh, not empty. And it felt so awkward and it felt so weird. And as I was preparing for this episode, I'm thinking, as you said, it doesn't really matter. You know, there's the difference between a, a middle seat empty or not, there's still someone 18 inches behind me. There's still someone, you know, well, I guess 30 inches behind me. There's someone 30 inches in front of me. There's Until someone, you stand up to get off the plane and right. then they're two yeah, inches behind exactly. you and two inches right. in front of you. We think, oh, the middle seat is so much better. And it, optically, it does seem to be, you know, from a booking standpoint, oh, there will be empty middle seat. At the end of the day, for health reasons, I don't think it really matters. And the fact that all these studies come out and say the chance of uh, catching the coronavirus on an airplane is insignificant, I don't think with those studies out there, 
reducing the middle seat changes anything other than, as you say, in our heads. But I think it was a great, I think it was a great optic for the airlines that chose to do so, because I think people are really booking them and saying, thanks for taking care of us. Yeah, it was a, it was a great marketing move, but I think if you're getting COVID, you're probably getting it in the TSA line or in the immigration line or in one of those places in the boarding area where you're not nearly as far away and you don't have that constant air circulation and and filtering that you do have when you're on the plane. I think that's right. And since we're stuck traveling domestically, Jeff, we don't have as many good opportunities for good lounges in the U.S. as we do, say, abroad. But we we have some options, especially with an Amex Platinum card. The good news is that as of January 2021, all Amex Centurion lounges nationwide are open, except for LaGuardia, which is currently under construction. I, I don't know about you. I'm I'm personally not planning to rush to the airport early like I used to to get free lounge food and free drinks before flying just because I don't want to be indoors that long with other people. But if you do have a layover especially or you do want a quick uh, free bite to eat before a flight, it is nice that some lounges are reopening. Yeah, it's nice to see that. And I think they're the ones that are opening are doing so safely. They're limiting capacity, which may make it difficult. But again, less people are traveling now, so it may not be that hard to be, get into them. But domestically, especially those Centurion lounges are definitely some of the nicer lounges. So it's exciting to see those back open. And hopefully that's a, a good marker or a good indicator of travel opening back up a little bit and getting a little bit better as we start to get these vaccines rolling out and start to get people uh, a little less prone to to getting really sick with this virus. And I was looking at the TSA numbers recently. It seems like there was this huge uptick in travel, you know, the month of Thanksgiving. And it seems like from my review of the TSA numbers on a daily basis, it seems like travel really hasn't receded much since, say, mid-November. Uh, I know we were discussing this off air Uh Obviously, there was an increase for Thanksgiving and there was an increase for Christmas and New Year travel, but midweek travel has really stayed fairly constant since mid-November. It's certainly off 2020 levels, I'm sorry, 2019 levels, but it's much higher than it was earlier in 2020. Yeah, and I don't know if we should be excited about that or we should be sad about that. It's it's hard to see it. If we see it picking up, but we're also seeing those COVID numbers rising, not necessarily because of the air travel, but because people are moving around and people are going places and people are doing things uh, in a lot of areas of the country without masks, without any sort of caution. So it's it's kind of hard to be excited about those numbers. But at the same time, as someone who really wants these airlines to survive and wants hotels to survive and wants tour groups to survive, it's it's something we can take a little bit of heart in knowing that people are going to be getting back out there and traveling at some point, no matter where that is down the road. I think that was the biggest surprise for me, honestly, was I understand the uptick, like I said, for travel at Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, etc. But midweek in December, midweek in January, why are we seeing these numbers that are, you know, sometimes more than 50 percent of 2019 levels? It, it really blows my mind. And I think we're getting a lot of people who had have vacations scheduled and are, are still taking them, whether it to be to other states in the U.S. or whether it 
be to uh, Caribbean islands that are allowing them in or to Mexico or to Hawaii. Some people are still getting in there, even though they've made it somewhat difficult and seem to change the rules every week. So I don't know. I, I really I struggle with this. I struggle with what my feeling is on it because I love to see people traveling, but I just at the same time don't want anybody to travel. Yeah, let's hope. Let's just hope everyone that's doing it is doing it safely. And I'm glad that all the airlines are enforcing the mask rule and obviously airports are enforcing mask rules and things of that nature. So let's just hope everyone does it uh, safely and that all the airlines can stay afloat until travel gets back to normal, whenever that is. On that note, I know you've been monitoring some uh, comings and goings for international destinations. Any updates for our listeners? Yeah, we've seen with the new variant of COVID uh, being picked up first, I think, in the UK and becoming a problem there. We've seen a lot of countries limit flights going in or out of the UK. We've had uh, some limitations going into New York City uh, that may have expanded at this point. I'm not sure exactly, but a lot of European countries have blocked or airlines have blocked flights coming out of the UK because of that. That as we see that variant spread, it's already here in the US. I don't know how that will be affected by the vaccines that are out now, if they will be effective for that. It's it's something to worry about that we may see another hit of of flights being canceled, of people not being able to travel from country to country. Japan, when they saw the first instance of this new COVID variant in their country, they immediately tightened their restrictions banned the majority of foreign nationals even coming to Japan. And it is they they're just locking down. They don't want people coming. So I worry that we're about to see another round of that and it'll it'll hit us again for travel this year. And again, I can only hope that we can get this vaccine spread around as much as possible and and get people to the point where it's a little bit safer for them to move around. Yeah, I feel like that's sort of the theme for us in the travel world, right? 20, 2020 was a year of of waiting and every day thinking today might be the day. And now we're just to the point of sort of hoping. We're, we're hoping the vaccine yeah. works. We're hoping uh, the vaccine covers this new strain. We hope that no further strains develop. And gosh, we just hope we can get back to travel uh, somewhat normally by sometime in 2021. I think that's the, let's just hope 2021 is the, we have hope to uh, do what we want to do by the end of the year. Yeah. And who knows when the vaccine will be available to different people. I know my wife is in the next group here in Virginia. She's in group one B because she's a teacher and they want them back in the schools and teaching as soon as they can, but that still has not opened up to them. Hopefully that will come in the next couple of weeks. I'm in group, I, I like to say I'm in group 487D. I just, I, I don't work outside the home. I'm not an essential worker. I don't have any health issues that would make me need the vaccine more. I'm, and, and I guess like incredibly privileged and blessed to not have any of those problems or those needs. But it also means that I don't qualify for a vaccine until I don't know, 93% of the rest of Americans have had it. I think there's, I I think it was like 880,000 people in Virginia get it before me or something like that. When I looked the other day, that was the estimate. So it'll be a while for me. 
And just to confirm, there are no elevated levels for podcasters or, or bloggers. No, they seem to think that we can do this via the internet, which we're currently doing. So I guess they're right. But yeah, just, mm, yeah, we may be still at trouble. the back of the line. Yeah. Well, let's hope for good news on the vaccine front. Number one, that it that it can be distributed quickly and more importantly, that it's effective. Uh, if it's effective and it becomes widely available, then we can hopefully get back to some semblance of normalcy sooner rather than later. And we can get out there and we can have a beer in pubs and bars and breweries and places all over the world, which is what we really, really should be and really want to be doing at this point. Sounds exactly right to me. Well, you made it to the end of our accidental double episode. We hope you learned a thing or two listening to what we had to say about the current state of travel and of miles and points. Let us know how you feel about that type of episode and whether you think we should keep it around or not. In the future, we should be able to record even closer to the release day, so things will be a little more up to date. All of the important points and links we talked about during our conversation will always be in the show notes. You can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. And the easiest place to find the notes of each podcast is at the website, milesandpints.com. So thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the travel and beer podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy the show too. And please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform. In between episodes, you can get more travel and beer content by following at Miles and Pints on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. You can also stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash miles and pints and that's all we have for this episode until next time we hope you'll find yourselves a little bit of travel a little bit of beer and a whole lot of fun